Support for the show comes from Atlassian. With a new story about AI coming out seemingly every day, it can be hard to know what it all means for you and your job. Atlassian thinks there's a lot to be excited about in the AI-powered future. Even right now, Atlassian's AI-powered software can help you boost productivity by eliminating menial tasks, generating insights, and helping you find information about projects, policies, and processes. No matter if you're a team of two or two million, or if you're around the corner or on another continent, Atlassian software keeps everyone connected and moving together as one towards shared goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Support for Pivot comes from Pendo. Pendo improves the apps your customers and employees rely on. Whether you're building applications for customers or managing applications for employees, Pendo can help deliver better experiences for your users so they can get more value from your software. Visit pendo.io slash pivot to learn more about how your team can use Pendo to start building better digital experiences. There you can also check out Pendo's lineup of free certification courses, 12 hours of in-depth training for your product management teams on topics from AI to product analytics to product-led growth. That's pendo.io slash pivot to learn more. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Scott Galloway. Scott, I have something to tell you. Okay. I slept with your wife, and I am so, so sorry. As long as I can watch. I I don't have a problem with that. (laughs) I knew you would say that. I knew you would say that. I had a better opening. I was going to say, I'm coming clean. I've been literally banging every executive in big tech. I mean, who would have (laughs) known that Nick Clegg had a foot fetish? And me and Andy Jassy, Jesus Christ, oh, the no, sweet, no, sweet no. love. And even be- last week, Kara, last weekend, and it's just— Did I, he deliver? <laughs> I made one too. Before it comes out in the post, I just want everyone to know mm-hmm. that I've yeah. been in an ongoing affair with Jack Dorsey and Ben Silberman. Oh, wow. The other day, I had him over to my house. We did yeah. magic mushrooms. I got on my knees and yelled, touchdown, Kara. Oh. I yelled, touchdown. <laughs> too much? <laughs> too much? Too much. He didn't need to add that little— <laughs> Delight things. Yeah, Nick Clegg is a saucy little bitch. Okay. The shit right. he's let's into, not, Kara. Let's hope he comes to code and you can continue the relationship. He's thinking about it. Anyway. Hey, you're sleeping with my wife. <laughs> I did not. And she's a lovely woman, and but mostly because she's so smart. She's not lovely. She's scorching hot. No one wants a lovely wife. She's scorching hot. Well, you know, but she's beautiful. As you know, my mother thinks she's beautiful and can't believe she's married to you. Yeah. In any case, if you slept with my wife, I would. I, it would be problematic. You would have the militia Etheridge coming for you. I'm just telling you. I have absolutely no comment on that. All right, but what we're all talking about, and we usually do partake in sexual banter on this show. And yet there's no sexual tension. Not a smidge. Not even. None at all. <laughs> not even like a, no. Like I'm watching NPR. I mean. <laughs> right, exactly. That's exactly how I feel. Yeah, good. I reciprocate your lack of sexual tension. It's not even ew. Yeah, it's no, not even, like that's it. how little there is. It's not even ew. It's like, mm, no. It's just not there. Not there. In any case, Elon Musk also says he hasn't had sex in ages, although I don't know what's going on with you two these days. Um, that's part of his defense to a Wall Street Journal report, which came this weekend, which lit up my texts from everybody, including people around the principals, claiming Elon slept with the wife of Sergey Brin. The report says the couple filed for divorce earlier this year as a result, and Brin and Musk had a falling out over the incidents. They've been very close, I have to say. I do know that. Musk denies the entire story and says that he and Brin are still friends, and in fact, they were at a party. He says it is not true. I am perplexed 
context as to why the Wall Street Journal wrote this, but some great tweets from this whole thing. Father Robert Balliser uh, tweets, Tesla Auto Drive now has a feature that brings women directly to Musk's house. Doctor, this is, this is a priest and a doctor. Dr. Parik Patel says the reason Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos both got divorced is because Elon slept with their wives. Now, right afterwards, I did text with some people who might know some stuff, and they didn't believe it, actually. People who would do not, not predisposed to either of them, by the way. And said they thought it was weird because of, you know, that these relationships are very fungible in Silicon Valley, these particular ones, and that it's it's not in their nature to be mad about things like this. This is what I was told. Now, at the same time, for the journal to do something like this, which is owned by Rupert Murdoch, was really something. I was sort of like, wow, this is some some limb to climb out on. So what do you think? You know, I saw this and I'm like, it's like you don't want to be TMZ, right? It's yeah, just, I agree. Uh, I agree. And at the same time— But we did get a lot of jokes in at the beginning. But well, that's—you know, any any chance for me yeah. to talk about banging Ben Selberman, that's just fair play. That's just good humor. Yeah, that's true. Uh, what was weird for me was it came up as a news alert, a Wall Street Journal news yeah, alert. Agreed. And I'm like, agreed. the Wall Street Journal is now in this business of talking about yeah. people's affairs. The reason why it's probably true is I didn't see Sergey or I think her name—I don't even want to say her name. Nicole. But Nicole. they didn't deny it. I mean, well, yeah. All three. If it wasn't true, it, this is a pretty, I want to say, awful thing to say about somebody. But it, this has real ramifications for the employees of both firms. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't true, wouldn't they have all three issued a press release saying this is ridiculous and the Wall Street Journal needs to retract it? Well, Sergey's not one for making statements. Just you know, and I, oddly enough, there was this a story. This is pretty I personal. If someone said they were I, having I an affair with your wife, you would decide to make a statement if it wasn't I, true. I perhaps now what's really interesting is that many years ago recode is this mm-hmm. and it was a real perplexing thing for me to make a decision on uh broke the story about Sergey having a relationship with someone at Google uh uh Google Glass and it broke up his marriage and the only reason we did it was for clicks I got it for clicks no 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 it was a corporate issue it was a big problematic because Google had a history of this kind of stuff at the company with executives. And it it directly impacted. Larry Page was furious. Uh, They were all current executives. And again, this other executive who was going out. In fact, I had had dinner with this woman and her then boyfriend Mm -hmm. a week before. And so, and then he left the company and went on to other things. And he was a major executive. So it was really hard to write about. But there were uh, corporate, there were also implications of ownership of the stock. um, and I know I knew Sergey and his ex-wife very well. And so it was it, we thought very long and hard before we published this. But this one, I don't see the implication. I would not have published it because I don't see the implications of it as a business newspaper. Well, but, um, I could see the Daily Mail doing it. I could see others yeah. doing it. But I, I don't see the business implications here. There's no links between them. I would not have published this. Just I would not have. Uh, you're right. I don't I don't think it's I was shocked that The Wall Street Journal put it out. I think it, mm-hmm. there's a couple bigger issues here. And the first is you have an individual who has a psychopathic need to be in the news, is a bit erratic, has tremendous Mm -hmm. influence, is probably the premier role model globally for men, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, more than President Biden, more than Putin, I don't know, you know, more than Tom Brady, more young men look Mm -hmm. up to Elon Musk than any other individual. And it looks as if in the same 30-day period, in one month, Mm -hmm. he welcomed a baby from uh, his girlfriend by surrogate, he mm-hmm. also welcomed twins from a subordinate that yeah. reported to him. That one I would have written about, but go ahead. Sorry. And it appears that also in that same month, supposedly this happened in December, 
he was having an affair with the founder of Google's yeah. wife while they have a toddler mm-hmm. at home. I mean, all of this is just so – I mean, it, this guy – it just appears – whether this is true or not, whether the Wall Street Journal are publishing it, I'm going to use a term here. This guy's fucking out of control and and I has – yeah. I, I mean – any one issue is not worthy of examination. I don't think the media – I think the media should let private lives be private lives. But quite frankly, he's decided to prostitute himself every which way but loose. So then to say – and he hasn't said, no, you can't talk about this. The bigger issue, in my view, is that is sex in the workplace. Mm-hmm. It's a nuanced argument, but I believe – and I said this in a Goldman Sachs town hall, and you could just tell HR's hair was on fire. Mm-hmm. I think it's okay for young people – if you're going to ask young people to work really hard and spend all their time at work, I think young people. I think it's nice when young people meet, fall in love, have sex, get married, have kids. Maybe not in that order. And I've been to several weddings at, of people who met while they were working together at firms I started in Iran. And mm-hmm. uh, because of just some abhorrent behavior of, of powerful men, there's a general assumption that romantic relationships should be discouraged. And I think that 99.9% of romantic interactions at work are usually uh, positive or people know how to deal with it. Now, having said that, and I think young people should meet each other and mate. I think once mm-hmm. you get to a certain level of seniority, much less the CEO of a company, you take that shit off campus. Your fly is up on lock. You are not allowed. Well, she's, this reason, sorry, she's not an executive there. It is off campus. It is. I'm not. Okay. Let, let's take that one aside. Right. Yeah. I think uh, I, I think there's nuance here. I think once you hit a certain executive level, full stop, you are not allowed to have romantic or sexual relationships with someone mm-hmm. you work at. Because at the end of the day, it's an abuse of power. The power dynamic is weird. You create risk for shareholders. You ca- you create a nightmare for HR. You s- anybody else who did this shit, anybody, anybody would be out. And probably well, never be able to also, work again. It does depend on the rules that that his company have, though. I mean, you have to be, understand. Listen, disclosure: I went out with someone who worked for me, and then we disclosed extensively. Now, I still don't feel like it was the correct. Okay. Do you think he disclosed that he was not only having a relationship, no. but that no. she was carrying his twins as he was giving birth to another surrogate? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And I'm not even speaking to the situation. I'm speaking to the situation because it's a pro- – I mean, this is a pro- – every CEO of a company has mm-hmm. to deal with this eventually. Every board yes. has to deal with this because yes. we're humans. Yes. We're a social species. Mm-hmm. The heart is stronger and stupider mm-hmm. than any muscle. And people decide to have relationships at work. You can't ask people in a modern economy to work 60 hours a week and not expect them to form relationships at work. And I think – Well, Microsoft has an interesting rule after many years of problems, which was a love contract. Uh, which people signed, you know, Melinda Gates and Bill Gates both worked at Microsoft and they were married for a very long time. However it ended, they had a very successful relationship for many, many decades, I think. And so they have a thing, they created a thing at, at Microsoft and many companies do called a love contract where the two principals, they move them. It's happened at Google a number of times. Yeah. Um, Different and areas. Lots of places. Uh, they're, they're, disclosure is, to me, the most important thing. In this case, it's about this guy being in the news all the time, and it's always around the same kind of stuff, right? So smoke fire is what people have here with him, whether it's true or not. And it does create a kind of jazz hands un- discomfort around this guy who seems – I think you you nailed it. Whatever happened here, it's the attention on this guy on things that are really kind of crazy, um, and not about business. And so that's what I'd worry about as a shareholder of any of these companies. This guy's on a 
on a tear, right? He is the modern day P- well, uh, star. I'm writing the same. New York Magazine asked asked me mm-hmm. to write about. They're doing a whole piece on Elon, and I said Elon's America, technical brilliance, taking advantage of platforms, mm-hmm. um, oh, enormous risk taking, moving the world forward, and uh, represents the worst of the Valley. And the Valley has two mm-hmm. very unfortunate externalities. Roger McNamee summarized it one. The companies that have done the best are in the business of exploiting their users. They're not there to mm-hmm. enable them. They're there to violate their privacy or depress them or addict them. And then two, there just is a a massive gestalt coming out of tech leaders that they are not subject to any standards of behavior, a code of ethics, yes. yep. a rule of fair play. Like, uh, okay, you don't commit securities fraud on Twitter and you don't fuck your friend's wife. I mean, you just... There's just a certain code men are supposed to live up to when they get to a certain level of of blessing and good fortune. And the people who seem to be most likely to to disregard any code around what it means to be a good neighbor, much less a man. Mm -hmm. I mean, look, we all have instincts. None of us are perfect. We've all done stupid things with our genitals. That's what the that's Mm -hmm. what genitals should be called. The organ that makes really stupid Stupid, decisions. Stupid things. (laughs) But but when it's just like over and over and over and Mm -hmm. and then you make stupid jokes like calling the Texas Institute of Tech tits, like when only one in five of your employees are Mm -hmm. SpaceX are female, it's like okay, okay, women are supposed to make progress in this environment. Yeah, it's he's a problematic hero, as they say, or a hero or someone to look up to. Is all of this going to result in equal pay for women? I don't think so. I think it creates this this fraternity like atmosphere and this level of exception for really powerful men. And they're always the same person. I think that's where you put your hands on it is that and that my second part is he's constantly in the news for things that people should stay out. It's enough. It's enough. And he's always he's blaming the media. He's blaming and this and he should put the blame on himself. You know, he's always like the journal has done this, this. And then he did a lecture on how reporters should behave. And I'm literally like, listen, are you going to tell us how to behave? He has no right to tell anyone how to behave. Yeah, exactly. So I think those are the two things. Is one, he's, he's attracting undue attention to himself that's really quite uh, distasteful, finally. It's finally become truly distasteful. And the second thing is unchecked power really does result in distasteful behavior over time. Power corrupts. It's like as old as yeah. time. I mean, if you if you read, if you didn't know this person and you just read all these things, you'd be like, next step. Rehab. Yeah. It literally yeah. feels like he's off to rehab when yeah. you read about him. Well, I want to be clear. I have no evidence of that, and I don't think it's going to happen. I don't, right. I, I don't, I, I'm no. not saying no. anything about him. But when you look at all these actions, it sounds like someone who is literally spinning out of fucking control it and really has no friends like to sit him down and say, boss, yeah. well, dial it back. Well, apparently, Sergey is still his friends, according to Elon. They were at a party together. I Sergey's a very unusual, and um, he's a very poignant figure in a lot of ways. He's I don't, also a great um, kisser. You, you, uh, just just <laughs> letting you in, in on that. I always liked Sergey, but felt like he was sort of drifting and um, troubled in a lot of ways. His first wife, I, kn- I know very well, uh, and she she started 23 in me. She's a gangster, was, right? Uh, Super smart. Yeah, she's terrific. Yeah. She's terrific. I really like her. I think it was, uh, and she's the sister of Susan Wojcicki, who runs YouTube. There's a lot going on here, right? Like she's, she's was, and the place they started Google in her garage. They start in Susan's garage. So the whole thing. 
thing. In any case, it's like a shitty version of succession. I don't know how else to put it. It's a shitty version of succession with all these people running around. And they all have interpersonal relationships, this and that. I just so, wish they were hotter. It'd be so much more interesting if they were all much hotter. That's what I'm saying. That's right. <sighs> even even the succession people are hotter. Anyway, today we'll talk about real tremors at Google and actual business tremors and a collapse at Snap. Also, the January 6th committee has the goods. And we'll talk about the crypto scammer on the FBI's 10 most wanted list with author and podcast host, Jamie Bartlett. Uh, But first, California's state Senate passed a bill last week that would require employers to include pay ranges in job ads if passed, the bill would apply to California companies with at least 15 employees who every tech company except Fandango probably uh, applies. Uh, The the bill still needs to pass the California House and get the governor's signatures. But could it help narrow pay gaps? I don't think it did before when some of it was revealed. Uh, The AFL-CI reports pay disparities between men and women in STEM fields. It also found that Asian and white people made more than Hispanic and black people. No surprise. Um, and uh, so I don't think this will matter. I don't. I think they've tried this a million times and been sued a zillion times. And um, what do you think about this? So there's a couple things here. There's just it's really it continues. There was a um, study that just came out that showed that contract workers, the male contract workers, asked for like forty mm-hmm. percent ask and are paid some ridiculously greater amount per hour that they women. And a lot of it was they couldn't figure out if it was the market um, uh, discriminating or if women, uh, for whatever reason, because women grow up as pleasers, aren't as aggressive, aren't as inclined to ask for mm-hmm. compensation. I will say that if somebody – I've noticed this. It's a sexist statement. Uh, the people who are almost always in my ear about being underpaid tend to be males in their 40s. Uh, All the same experience. I was going to say that. I, I, as someone who managed for a very short amount of time, always the and guy who didn't deserve it. Your job as a manager mm-hmm. is to yeah. try and do reverse squeaky wheel. And that is really appreciate <laughs> the people who aren't in your ear bothering you aren't the people who are being overpaid. They're people mm-hmm. who aren't complaining. And you mm-hmm. really have to be disciplined because the temptation is to go, oh, so-and-so's happy. We don't need to give him or her a 20% mm-hmm. raise. And so-and-so right. is complaining so much and he or she is good, so we need to give them a bigger raise. That's exactly the wrong thing. You mm-hmm. have to make it clear that I'm complaining for you. There's someone in my head saying this person is doing a great job and needs to be paying more, paid more because, it, mm-hmm. unfortunately, there's just no getting around it. There is a correlation between – uh, people who you think might leave and your likelihood to pay them more. And the way they communicate mm-hmm. they might leave is they complain a lot. And your job as a manager is to go um, absolutely uh, uh, the other way. So I, I th- yeah. But pay in the workplace. And then the other kind of interesting thing here is that when I do, especially my other podcasts, I talk about actual money. When I say mm-hmm. I bought this comp- share, I'll say how much I invested, how much I made, how much mm-hmm. I lost. And it's considered uncouth to actually talk about oh. money. There's a statement in The Godfather where this guy talks about a success in front of The Godfather. And he said, I don't mean to be arrogant. He's like, no. He's like, people not talking about money is mm-hmm. is a complexion or is is a certain decorum that's been promoted by the rich to keep the poor, poor people poor. Because if they knew mm-hmm. how much money other people that's were right. making, they mm-hmm. wouldn't stand for it or they demand more. And this has been happening in corporate America for the last 100 years, and that is you are basically told if you reveal your salary, you could get fired. That's a fireable mm-hmm. offense. Yeah, remember Erica at uh, Google, was uh, that was she, she had compiled a, a number of 
Atlas. We've I've interviewed her many times, um, and was got in trouble for it, but was trying to show people to fill it in themselves. That there was a, there right. moves it not just Google, but a number of but, companies. But the reason they discourage it is not because it's uncouth or it's tacky. It's just that the asymmetry of information creates or leaks advantage to the person that has the information. That's right. That's and correct. so the employer might say, okay. All the women or all the people in this division are making 30% less on average than all the people in this division for whatever reason. And this would cause a lot of headache for us, and we might have to raise the pay because there's absolutely That's no right. justification. So what do you think of this bill? Does it matter? Because there's been attempts at this in various no, ways, I don't think not it works. legislative. I don't think it works. Yeah. I, don't think, I don't think putting in the pay range – and it doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean they can't go outside the pay range. It yeah. doesn't I – don't, I don't see what this – what this accomplishes. Definitely. I definitely had the same experience managing men and women. All the men were the more aggressive by far and more incompetent, by the way. The more the more aggressive and the more incompetent. It was really fascinating to watch. And even with myself, I'm, I'm someone who does ask for a lot of money all the time. And I, two experiences. One is someone said, you're the highest paid person here. And I was like, I don't care. Like, why are you telling me this? Is this going to hinder me from the pay me or not? But don't give me, they like to give you information without giving you information. Uh, and so it's it's a way it, there, yeah. there's all these mind games around. But I, I just want to talk. I, I do want to spend a minute on this because I I, okay. I do think people look to us for uh, career coaching, and that is you don't want to be you want to you want to complain once a year in your mm -hmm. review, and what you want is you don't want to complain. You want to have credible threats of leaving, and that is every two or three years. I think you, uh, people should investigate other opportunities, mm -hmm. and that is. Have lunch with a friend, return a headhunter's call, find out you know, if that, the firm you're interested in is hiring, and then go in and have a very honest conversation with your boss around, I like it here, I, I need to make mm -hmm. more money, or I think my market value is greater. Every two or three mm -hmm. years, I used to get an offer from Wharton or Columbia or Cornell Tech, and then when they were coming in to talk to them, they'd be like, oh, well, it's really hard, and we don't like clinicals, so we're only giving you a 4% raise. I'm like, I get it. These are all good reasons. I have an offer from this university at 1.4 times what I'm making here. I would like to stay here. I was very transparent, but this mm -hmm. is my market value. And they'd hum and haw and mm -hmm. act all disappointed in me and like I was being a trader. Yeah. And then yeah. they'd come back yeah. and match the offer. Yeah. And I would encourage everybody to do that. But don't complain every fucking week and don't make that's comments right. about your compensation. Yeah. Don't roll your right. eyes. You complain once a year, if at all. And if it's a good employer, they will almost meet your expectations. People always have outsized expectations, but a good employer mm -hmm. will either almost meet them, meet them, or exceed them. If they're not, then you should, regardless, every on a period, you know, regular basis, every two or three years, check your market Agreed. value. Because That's companies right. have a tendency to look at you through the lens which you came in through and not appreciate how much you've progressed. 100%. The Washington Post treated me like that for many years after I'd excelled. You know what I mean? Like I was still the kid who started in the mailroom. Yeah. Just very briefly, South Carolina bill would ban websites that tell users how to access abortion. The bill would make it illegal to, quote, provide internet service with information that is, quote, reasonably likely to be used for an abortion. It also applies to phone services. More states are expected to take up similar bills, whether or not this one passes. Also, CBS is asking pharmacists in a few forced birth states to confirm that customers aren't using the medications to end pregnancies. 
this is just bullshit. This is literally, these people have gone far, far. They, of course, they're going to press farther because this is what they're like. They're like, they're, they're religious and they're um, uh, intolerant and they're um, fascist. I don't know what else to say. You've already seen Facebook take down posts that offer abortion pills. They're going to try everything to make abortion illegal across the country by any means necessary. And this is the first uh, parry in this fight. I, I don't know what tech companies are going to do here. What are they going to just turn off Google or what? Well, first off, good luck with that. I mean, yeah. uh, it's going to be impossible to enforce, too. Mm -hmm. There are a few things you can do to damage a brand more in a single stroke than what South Carolina has done. South Carolina has mm -hmm. basically raised their hand and said, we're just back assward. You should not mm -hmm. locate your business here. You should not yeah. move here. If you're a young woman graduating from Georgia Tech and thinking about you know, an interesting place to live. And South Carolina has some, some of the most incredible lifestyle and beautiful mm -hmm. cities in the nation. But they basically said, no, don't come here. Think about somewhere else. This is right. just, this is stupid economically. Texas, same, Texas Republicans are suing a law firm for giving people money for going out of state. Texas is a much more complex brand, though. Texas, a lot of yeah. people think Austin's a very progressive city. Right. South Carolina, right. people don't know anything about it. And then they see this. It's the first time it's in the news. And it's in the news um, uh, for the wrong reasons. And there's also Professor Samuel Perry wrote a great piece about what he refers to as imposter Christianity. And that is this fascism, this war against women, this misogyny is being couched in religious yeah. nomenclature. Mar they Marjorie talk Taylor Greene just said that we should be a Christian nationalist nation. I mean, and it's like, this is, you know what? This is the last way Jesus would behave. Jesus started with love the poor. Jesus wouldn't say cut food stand. I mean, it is literally the people who use and invoke Jesus the most, he, he would track them down and find their desk and puke on it. And mm. this kind of this wrapping it in these these Christian, yeah, uh, these January 6th rallies where they start with prayer. It's so disingenuous they, they, they are. and so contrary. I'm looking forward to the return of our Savior. Uh, Anyways, this imposter Christianity I thought was a really interesting concept because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. uh, a lot of Christians, a lot of our clergy are so horrified by what's going on. And they feel powerless. They're, they're letting them. They're, they're well. They are powerless. Yes. In any case, this is really. You're right. This that, from a business point of view, you're putting a big sign on your door that says, "Please don't move here unless you want to live in, uh, you know, a hellscape of anti-women, anti-everybody thing." Anyway, we'll see how that goes economically. That's where it's going to really where the rubber's going to hit the road, of course. But let's get on to our first big story. tech and the economy. The Fed is expected to raise interest rates on Wednesday again. We'll get earnings reports this week from Apple, Meta, Microsoft, Amazon, and Alphabet. And you will be talking about them, not with me, because I will be in Scotland. Um, this is our last show before Scott Free I August, can't believe you're actually taking a day off. That's not like you. I am taking a day off. But yeah, Katie Tour is going to be Katie! your, uh, your co-host. Oh my gosh, so my first choice. That's really good. So I wish uh, you hadn't announced that because there's a decent chance her agent's going to yeah. call her and say, we should talk about no, this. No, no. She's going to love doing this. We should anyway. Um, there's a lot of earnings coming out. Uh, I, so a lot of these people are going to be at our code conference, mm -hmm. which will be interesting to talk about. It, both Amazon and Alphabet, for example. And um, what are you most excited for? Uh, because Alphabet, no, there's a story. No one's getting hired at Google. The tech giant yeah, has paused hiring for two weeks as it reviews headcount. Google reportedly hired almost 10,000 employees in Q2 alone. There were big hire recent weeks. The CEO is uh, the company has hinted at slower hiring, and CEO Sundar Pichai, who is coming to code, has said Google needs to be, quote, more entrepreneurial. This is something Mark Zuckerberg said at Meta. Some of you shouldn't be here. Um, it's a problem that plagues big companies. So what do you think, what do you, what do you think about the earnings that are coming out, which have been pretty 
good, but not for all. And what you're looking for in these things, hiring. I'm, I'm excited because uh, I I usually and probably incorrectly jump to a conclusion, and I think I understand what's going on. And around mm-hmm. you know recession or not, and what's going on in the economy, We've talked about. I this. am totally flummoxed because. Interest rates going up this fast, inverted yield curve always leads to a recession. At the same time, we've never had a recession mm-hmm. when unemployment is slow. And this weekend, and you talked about this, I was with my boys. Uh, we went to the color factory, um, mm-hmm. which took us, we had to reserve tickets way in advance, 140 bucks to roll around in a ball pit and find out that I have a color that speaks to my soul. It's called Imperial Gazpacho. Who would have known that? <laughs> Who would have known that? <laughs> really? Oh, it's hilarious. They do such a great job. I'm convinced it's a bunch of uh, p- graduates of the ITP school at NYU. They take uh, like 40 pounds of edibles and they come up with an experience for children. Uh, and it's amazing. And okay. they are making millions and you know what? They deserve it. I love those kind of places. It feels very COVID-y, but I love them. Go ahead. I went to the On Running store, a line, the mm-hmm. Stussy store, a mm-hmm. line, this place called Pharmacy. All around Soho, every other store, mm-hmm. there was a yeah. line to get in and spend money. Yes, and I'm like, I wait, agree. we're supposed I to agree. be going into recession? I uh, agree. The, the, we go to this great ice cream shop. We go, our favorite it's restaurants. maybe just in the big cities. Lure, now, Jack's Wife, Frida, right. Baltimore. They're packed. Right, so, big cities. What I do think is fairly evident, though, so uh, 17% mm-hmm. of the S&P has reported their earnings, and two-thirds of those who have reported have beat their earnings. So That's right. corporations have not received the memo yet regarding this recession. Mm-hmm. Now, now, having said that, a precursor to a recession is that the easiest thing for a corporation to cut back on when they start feeling insecure is advertising. It's much easier to cut mm-hmm. advertising than it is to fire people or stop, slow down projects. And mm-hmm. we're seeing evidence that there's a real Slow down in advertising because if you look at Snap's earnings, it yeah. it is get this a year ago Snap was worth 116 billion dollars, mm-hmm. now it's worth like 15. It's gone down 80. Yeah. percent Just so you know, it, it it says it will slow hiring following poor earnings report last week. Shares dropped nearly 40 percent following that news. It was already down. Analysts downgraded Snap stock as well. Snap continues to blame Apple's 2021 advertising update and the rise of TikTok among other causes. But I think you're putting your finger on a problem. A big and your secret lover Evan Spiegel. By the way, mm-hmm. you know what was weird in the earnings call? <laughs> He's not my secret. Lover. Come clean, you little yeah. saucy minx. Anyways, uh, no. In the earnings call, he didn't show up. Yeah. No comments, yeah. no explanation. Just wasn't there, which is which is strange. But in yeah, addition, okay. in addition, the next data point is Twitter. And distinct to the mm-hmm. Elon shit, their active users, their monthly active users were up 16 percent, mm-hmm. yet the revenues were flat to down, meaning that their mm-hmm. ability, their ARPU, their revenue per user, has declined dramatically, yeah. which means the demand for advertising is going down. So That's the most the most illuminating earnings report is going to be mm-hmm. Google to see if this mm-hmm. ad recession is impacting yeah. the biggest advertiser in the world. And Meta? Meta, too, I suppose. Is Meta this week as well? Yes, Meta, Microsoft, Amazon, and Alphabet, yeah. So I'm really interested to see if this ad recession or is there consolidation or flight to quality where Meta and Google Mm -hmm. will be fine. Everyone, typically when people rein in their uh, ad budgets, they cut Pinterest, they cut the little guys, they cut Snap, they cut all the like experimenting fun stuff and they just rally around the must-dos. But if Mm -hmm. if Google reports uh, uh, misses, then you're you're seeing the tip of the spear of a recession because advertising yep. is usually yep. the first Agreed. to go and it snakes down to the rest of spending. 
Right. And the hiring pause, I mean, I think is smart and getting more entrepreneur. These big companies have a very hard time as they hire so much doing this. So we'll, we'll look at that. We'll talk to Sundar Pichai Code about that. Why is, uh, why is not finding it so difficult to compete with TikTok as are others? It has creators, content, large user base, uh, that weren't using Facebook and Instagram. Obviously, Facebook has unveiled a new design that's more TikTok-like. Good luck with that. Uh, as you said, I, and I think I agree, is the acquisition of Snap seems likely. It's the stock down so low. It's a very good company. And not like Pinterest. Uh, we, you had talked about three of them, Pinterest, Snapchat, and Twitter yeah. as acquisition targets. Yeah, Snap. You'd think something would happen with Snap. There's such an X factor, though, because it's dual-class shareholder co- company. And so, uh, yeah, and by the way, they put in place a new stock compensation model that really benefits the founders. It's really kind of obscene what the, the shit they've been trying to pull in terms of corporate governance. And it really says that their board is not representing all stakeholders. But the problem with a company like this is Snap should absolutely be acquired or make dramatic moves or acquire other companies. But the problem is the guy, there's a 34-year-old or whatever he is who has total voting control. So he can just he decide does. not to sell. He can say, well, it might be good for the the sector. It might be good for employees, but I don't care. I don't need to sell. I've already taken my billions. I think he would sell if he thought it was the right thing. I don't, I don't necessarily. I think he's the one that has to decide whether they're going to sell. That's the thing. He has he's, control. He has control. Even though he doesn't that's own right. over fifty percent of the company, it, that's you know, correct. It's, but that's how they let him do it. Like, let's be clear. Well, it started with Google, actually, and then everyone right. else. Yeah. And then everyone else followed. Facebook. But yeah. it's um, yeah, it's it's going to be very interesting to see what the earnings are across the uh, yeah. ad ecosystem. Uh, also, Evan Spiegel's coming to code. Also, so we have lots to ask these people, Scott. I'm going to have you in on that interview. I think lots to ask. All right, Scott. Let's go on a quick break. When we come back, the January 6th committee may call a big name witness, and we'll speak with a friend of Pivot, Jamie Bartlett, on the missing crypto queen and the OneCoin scam. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from Atlassian. One of our customers who produces pizza at a very large scale all across the world. Believe it or not, they use AI to review the quality of the pizzas that are created. That goes through a workflow that scans the images of the pizzas and makes sure they visually look like what they should. So it's pretty cool. That's Sharif Mansour, Atlassian's head of AI. Sharif thinks there's a lot for companies to be excited about on the AI-generated horizon, spanning everything from making pizza to producing podcasts like the one you're listening to now. There'll be far more jobs created on the other side of this revolution. Instead of a world of less, Sharif envisions an AI-powered world of more. In everyone's day job, they're moving from doing the thing to often being an architect of the thing. It unleashes the potential of every human. And I think we can go from a world where few people have access to a high level of intelligence to a lot more people having access to this information. AI is really giving everyone on the planet more resources to do great things. And I'm very optimistic about that opportunity that lies ahead. Transform teamwork with the power of AI-human collaboration. Start using Atlassian intelligence for your Atlassian products like Jira and Confluence now. Learn more at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N dot com. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. 
Ask your boss if Canva Magirite is right for you at canva.com designed for work. Scott, we're back. The January 6th committee may subpoena Ginny Thomas. That's according to Liz Cheney, who also says that her work on the committee is worth losing her seat over. Cheney currently faces a primary uh, challenge from a Trump-backed candidate. Um, last week, the committee heard testimony that Mike Pence's Secret Service agents were calling their family as, as the mob descended on the Capitol. The committee also released footage of Senator Josh Hawley running away from the protesters that he had cheered on earlier in the day, which became a fantastic meme. Um, you know, Liz Cheney appeared on a lot of channels Sunday, including Fox News, which was fascinating. And essentially, she 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 is a ninja warrior about these things. She is a she is a I don't a weapon of of Trump destruction because one of the things she pointed out when Brett Baer was pressing her on the Capitol Police problems, she's like maybe they had problems, but let's focus on the mob. That she was she's so smart. But then she said, and in any case, your boss essentially uh, Murdoch papers are the ones that are saying how bad he is, including the Wall Street Journal and the New York Post, um, which she so so she's informing a Murdoch-owned property that Murdoch is done with Trump, uh, which I thought was a, on many levels of, of Spock chess. Um, in any case, wh- what do you think the, the impact continues to be very strong uh, around this uh, now with the Jenny Thomas things? This is a wife of a sitting Supreme Court justice. You know, obviously, Steve Bannon lost his case, his uh, his contempt of Congress case. Um, what do you think? What do you think? I think you were right on this. I thought I said a, couple, a week ago they should bring it to a close, and it just keeps getting mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. It has turned into yeah. must-see TV. And mm-hmm. I think Ginny Thomas, if based on her previous comments, I think she'll handle herself poorly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just it's so frightening how high up it goes. And I think we're all just just totally shocked at just how fucking crazy this shit is yeah, and how wrong it is. I mean, I was trying to think about, say a C, say one CEO got kicked out for another CEO. Say Bob Iger got kicked out and he showed mm-hmm. up with a mob of angry employees and with a noose and threatened to physically harm Chapek. He'd be in jail. We yeah, wouldn't accept yeah. us anywhere. We wouldn't put up no. with this shit anywhere. We would not. We would not. And for some reason, we've decided we should be more lenient with the president. Shouldn't the standards be higher? Absolutely. It, what has gone on here is so insane. And I, I, I do believe that the country is going to have a difficult time healing until we say our institutions matter. We have rule of law. We're indicting this individual. We're telling this guy he's got to close his transaction. I think the rule of law has to step up here. Absolutely. I think which is something that that Cheney is not backing down from. This is really her performance yesterday was brilliant all over the map. I was sort of like, whoa, this woman can think in full legal paragraphs that are understandable to average people. The fact that she was on Fox News was very important. I thought she was on Brett Baer's show, um, even though he, I didn't agree with him attacking the Capitol Police the way he did. Um, she really did get all her points across, which I think was the point, right? It's the it's the shift of Fox News mm. away from Trump yep. towards DeSantis, et cetera. But you know who the wizard behind the curtain around all this shit is? Oh. Dick Cheney. What? Dick Cheney is, uh, whatever you think of the guy, was one of the most brilliant strategists in the history of politics. Yeah. You can bet he's on the phone. For for Liz Cheney. Yeah, they talk a lot. She's, come on, she's pretty good. Oh, I, I, I don't doubt it. But she has the brightest strategist, political strategist in the world yeah. going, this is your moment. Come out against mm-hmm. Trump. It's the right thing to do. You'll be seen as a hero. Look, Liz, uh, Liz Cheney is now a viable contender for the Republican yeah. nomination for president. People think that the you party might did? come to her. I was thinking of it. She did what, Cl- what uh, Colin Powell didn't do. 
Remember, Colin Powell had that opportunity to stand up to a lot of the stuff, and then he sort of went along. She did not go along, but actually she's hand, she's comporting herself. She's very clear. She's very, you know, it's not emotional. She just, it, it's just very lawyer-like, but just the facts, ma'am. But she's also was very likable, actually. Um, I have all these Democrats are going gaga over, and, and I'm like, if you look at her policies, they're not very friendly to the Democrats, but nonetheless, um, appealing in every way. I think it's really interesting. Now, I don't think it's just appealing to Democrats. I think it's appealing to independents. Everyone's like, oh, now Democrats like her. I think most Democrats understand Liz Cheney's politics. But for sure, she's a worthy opponent, right? That's mm-hmm. At least that's the case. And secondly, I think it brings into stark focus the contrast between her and Trump. And she is, you know, he always complains about women, you know, that nasty woman. And I, I'm looking forward to him doing that again. But boy, she's got his number and is dialing it over and over and over again, just constantly. And it's fantastic to watch, I have to say. She's put on a master class in terms of how to communicate effectively. She's not upset. She's not complaining. Mm-hmm. She just kind of says, we had a mob that was mm-hmm. uh, motivated uh, and in- incited to violence by the president. And she just says it very matter of fact. Like, and over and over again. Yeah, and I'm disappointed, but here are the facts. Right, and, and I agree with you. There were some security problems, but, and then she yeah, goes right back. She's I was, very good. Watching her was brilliant. And actually, she has every right to be worried because she does think we're on the edge of an abyss. And I think some reporting by J- uh, Jonathan Swan at Axios was astonishing. The Trump administration is planning to radically reshape the next, if they get in office, reshape the federal government via an executive order called Schedule F. The plan could yeah, lead to the removal that? of thousands of civil servants and the installation of Trump loyalists in their place. It's crazy. It's a it's an Orban-like takeover who is also appearing on conservative uh Conference is this, this like week. when they killed the Jedi? It's like Order 19 or whatever yes. it's called? Yes. Mm-hmm. Order 12. Mm-hmm. That was All the Star Wars reporting. geeks will literally fill up my Twitter feed right now because I got yes, it wrong. Now they will. But let me just say they have plans. Don't pretend they're feckless fucks. They are feckless fucks, but they're also, um, uh, it's Order 66, says Evan, <laughs> Evan oh. Engel. Order Evan, 66. you shouldn't have owned up to knowing that. <laughs> yes, nonetheless, Order you, good reference for on your part. In any case, there's plenty of reason to worry. These are not these are people still still continuing their quest. They fucked up. They fucked up. They fucked up. They kept trying all the way to the insurrection, and now they're still doing it. So mm-hmm. I think that's one thing Liz Cheney is reminding us. There's a reason for what she's doing, which is that uh, it's a uh, it's a problem. In any case, Liz Cheney, you get the branding of the week. I have to say, I'm consistently impressed uh, with her. Um, and and it's not someone I would be normally impressed by. And I'm not in love with her. Like a lot of people say, oh, now, like the left's like, now you love her. I don't love her. I admire what she's done here. And I you can do that uh, with, and, and have policy disagreements. In mm-hmm. any case, keep going, Liz. I love the show. But you, you, know, where, the show. you know where um, Evan found out that information what? on Order 66? What? He found it on Wikipedia. Get it, Wikipedia? <laughs> I'm sure there is a Wikipedia. There is. There is. Oh, is there? <laughs> All right. In any case, let's bring in our friend of Pivot. Jamie Bartlett is an author and best-selling book, The Dark Net, and the writer and presenter of the number one podcast, The Missing Crypto Queen. His recent book, The Missing Crypto Queen, The Billion Dollar Cryptocurrency Con, and The Woman Who Got Away With It is out now. It's a fascinating book. I can't wait for the movie, let's just say. Welcome, Jamie. Thank you for having me. Uh, First of all, give us a rundown on who the crypto queen is and how she ended up on the FBI's 10 most wanted list. Sure. Her name is Dr. Ruja Ignatova. She is a German-Bulgarian businesswoman Ah, who, uh, a brilliant mind, Oxford-educated, PhD in comparative law, who in 2014 basically told the world that 
Bitcoin's brilliant. It's going to change the world. It's going to revolutionize finance, mm -hmm. but it's complicated. It's for nerds. It's for geeks. And it's already very expensive. Mm -hmm. So I, she said, have created a new one. It's called OneCoin. It's simple. Mm -hmm. It's for the masses. It's easy to use. It's centralized, unlike Bitcoin. So if you forget your password mm -hmm. or have your coins hacked, I'll be able to get them back for you. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's very cheap now, so get in early. And um, within 18 months, so by sort of early 2016, mm -hmm. something like a million people had invested up to 4 billion euros from 175 countries in OneCoin, mm -hmm. thinking they'd bought the next big thing, you know, and the price right. of the one coin they held kept going up in value on the website that they would mm -hmm. visit to check. Mm -hmm. um, but they could never actually sell it. Mm -hmm. It was always next month, next year. Right. And then in October 2017, Dr. Ruja boards a budget airline flight from Sofia, Bulgaria to Athens, Greece, mm -hmm. and is never seen again. The whole thing is essentially a hmm. very old-fashioned scam, a pyramid scheme, really, right. with a cryptocurrency twist, which is why it took off. So she and kept, she's been missing she kept, ever since. She, she kept missing that she's alive or missing that something happened to her? What is the the... She is, well, this is, I mean, this is still an open question, although I don't think that the FBI would have put her on their most wanted list if they had information that she were dead. Mm -hmm. But it certainly, I mean, I've been looking for her now for, for over four years mm -hmm. and have received a lot of tip-offs, a lot of sightings. I mm -hmm. certainly believe she's alive. She has, however, a new face, a new new identity documents, uses a new name, mm -hmm. and disappeared with at least $500 million of investors' money and probably significantly more. more so exactly. It's so possible to stay on the run for a while, not forever, but for a while with that sort sure. of money. Well, a lot of people do with much less money. They do. Um, they so, do. How, how do scams like this impact the crypto market? Obviously, the crypto market's in a free fall, including Bitcoin. Um, there's been so many, especially in the early days, grifters and con artists, etc. So, what what is the impact? And even things like Celsius going bankrupt um, has this the, the whole patina of of this area is really bad. And when there's stories like this, um, it gets even worse. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the crypto, the crypto market and the hype of the crypto market bears some responsibility for scams like OneCoin being able to thrive in the first place, because mm -hmm. the whole of the OneCoin promise was predicated on absurd returns are not only possible, mm -hmm. you're an idiot if you don't get in on it now. Which is the appeal, right? Yeah. She, she, I mean, the, the, it was only really possible because investors into OneCoin didn't really understand the technology at all. They just kept seeing the numbers on Bitcoin going up and up and up. And, and she played to that very cleverly. So mm -hmm. the crypto market, when it's doing well, bears some responsibility for scams following in the footsteps because these scammers target retail investors you know, six months later saying, you heard about the price of Bitcoin. Well, this is the new one. And it's not going to go up by 20% or 50% a year. It's going to mm -hmm. go up by 1,000%. And every time someone would say, be careful if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is, the scam artist would say, yeah, well, that's what everyone said about Bitcoin. And guess what? Mm -hmm. Your mm -hmm. friend Dave's now driving around in a Lamborghini. Mm -hmm. So they bear responsibility on that side. The scams more generally now, I think, are I mean, especially with what happened with Celsius, that felt like mm -hmm. quite a pivotal moment because the OneCoin scam, 
essentially was a bit of a weird one because it, it really is a multi-level marketing scam. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, the whole thing was actually a multi-level marketing company with Which a crypto. Which is all this time. All yeah, this time, with a, right? exactly. With a crypto product that they were mm -hmm. selling that was totally fake. But it's it's over the last two to three years, certainly in the UK and elsewhere, it's ordinary people who are now pouring their money in having seen that hype in late 2017. So we now have 2.5 million investors in the UK in crypto assets. I would say 95% of them do not understand it at all, have got in because the price skyrocketed late mm -hmm. on. They got in late to the market and now the price goes down because mm -hmm. so many companies turn up promising the world, get these absurd spikes in value and then crash because they often they don't deliver anything. I think scams are really undermining the kind of the market generally because a lot of these companies, even the legitimate ones, seem to be based on sort of pr promised guaranteed annual returns based on quite risky investments. So you had said it was a pyramid scheme. Pyramid schemes will, will give some people money back to create the illusion of prosperity. Like We're, a Madoff. Was this ever was was there ever a liquid market in one coin or did or could you not sell? Yes, it was a you're totally right. Uh, so it's a it's a pyramid scheme because the the way that money was made and there was money made mm -hmm. was that investors would become recruiters. So investors would buy say 5000 euros worth of one coin. They mm -hmm. would then sell 5000 euros worth of one coin to their brother, their mum, their sister, their cousin, and receive around a 10% cash commission for that. They mm -hmm. would then recruit those people to sell to their friends and family and would receive mm -hmm. a percentage for that. Mm -hmm. Now, only those at the very, very top would ever sell enough or have a large enough downline to actually make any proper money from that. So mm -hmm. money was made through through commissions, something like 30% of all money put into one coin, I've estimated was paid back out in commissions, but nearly mm -hmm. all to the top 1% of promoters. Mm -hmm. The product that they were selling, the coins that they thought were going up and up and up in value that they were sitting on and waiting to turn back into real money, no. They couldn't, there was no liquid market for that. They ran their own tiny boutique exchange site, which allowed some investors periodically to turn maybe 1% of their holdings into real money. But that was mm -hmm. essentially a Ponzi payout just to get them to believe and to recruit the next right. wave right. of investors. Right. They always promised that very soon OneCoin would be listed on, on Kraken or Poloniex or one of the mm -hmm. big exchange sites, but of course that never materialized because they never really had any technology behind any of it. So I've usually found that in these types of scams where you have someone very credible, they start with, I don't want to call them benign intentions, but they don't, it's sort of an incremental path to criminality. And that is they start thinking this is a good idea, this is legal, I can make money here, and then something happens and they start making a series of justifications or rationalizations and they end up in criminal activity. Do you think Dr. Ruja from the outset was trying to trying to execute a scam? <laughs> a very, very insightful comment because I think you're actually you're right about this. Um the sort of I think what happened was in 2014, Dr. Ruja was, she'd been for five years a, a consultant at McKinsey's. She's a very sort of legitimate, very, very mm -hmm. good consultant 
in finance. I think she was always obsessed with getting rich. And I think in 2014, she saw cryptocurrencies and thought, this is this is the way I can do it. Mm-hmm. I think she hoped to blend in with other ICOs at the time, sort of promising possible future enormous gains. Mm-hmm. If it fails, it fails. Don't blame me. It's a risky venture. She never intended to be a multi-billion dollar scam in the way that it turned out, I don't think. I think she started out actually with a fork of the Bitcoin technology that was mining coins at, let's say, 10,000 coins per 10 minutes. But the multi-level marketers that were promoting the coin for her were selling millions and millions of coins a day, more than she was ever able for her blockchain to mine. It was sort of outpacing Mm -hmm. the mining rate. Mm -hmm. By a year later, she had sold over a billion coins that didn't exist anywhere on any technology. Mm. So she started saving them on essentially an SQL database. And she could have tried to have stopped then and said, my goodness me, I'm sorry, everyone. I'm going to wait for my coins to catch up, to mine coins until we reach the number that I've sold. But she just pushed on regardless because the whole company in multi-level marketing was dependent on this constant selling cycle. And right. so she I think she was sort of drifting more and more into the gray area and when she realized that she was she'd outsold by a, a this astronomical number the coins that she had that's the point at which I suppose she tipped into more outright criminality. Look, this is my theory. There's still a bit of mystery around this because it's still mm-hmm. an sort of open open subject. The FBI may disagree with me on my interpretation of this. Right. Why did she stay under the radar so much? Others didn't. Elizabeth Holmes didn't. And was she acting alone? I think the reason she's she's... <laughs> she stayed under the radar. I think she kind of slipped between two worlds. Meaning? The multi-level marketing world, This the, the, the investors in this were really all from multi-level marketing or the friends and family of multi-level marketing. Mm-hmm. That isn't a subject that is much covered by most mainstream outlets. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of mainstream outlets looked at OneCoin, thought, this is a complicated crypto company. I don't really want to have anything. I don't, we don't really understand it. The crypto specialist press looked at OneCoin and thought, this is a multi-level marketing pyramid scheme. It's nothing to do with us either. And it wasn't really picked up anywhere. And Mm -hmm. I think I was personally quite surprised when I was leaked documents, that accounting documents that showed just how big this was. Mm -hmm. Because I'd covered cryptocurrency for a long time. I'd never heard of it. I'd never heard Mm -hmm. of this company. And I think it was because it was in that multi-level marketing world, but it was using the branding, the hype, the language of crypto a lot of people did that. That's not that wasn't <laughs> well, fresh, still right? Do. Right. Yeah. So who should be responsible for stopping it then? If she falls between the, the, the cracks with coverage, who should be stopping crimes like this from happening? Well, it's a tough I think journalists well, I think well, I think we journal we journalists sort of failed a little bit. We were slow off the mark with this. And the, the <laughs> thing with pyramid schemes in particular, they do they really do travel like a virus. I mean, it's sort of exponential growth mm-hmm. because it's two recruit, two recruit, two. And so within six months, it had gone from Dr. Rouge's brain in Sofia to tiny villages 400 miles west of Kampala in Uganda, where mm-hmm. everyone had invested in one coin. So the speed before the regulators even knew it was happening, it had reached every corner of the globe. Right. And that, that makes it very difficult. And 
no single country really took a lead on this and not Bulgaria because I mean, Bulgaria is the most corrupt country in the EU, uh, and I'm not just saying that. I mean, multiple surveys and studies find that. She was very well connected in Bulgaria. Um, so I think she was a bit of a safe haven for her, which which meant that the company could and still is open in Bulgaria, what? which really? made it hard for the regulators as well, because they would say in the UK, well, this is really a Bulgarian company with the, with the holding companies actually in Dubai. Uh, mm -hmm. But they're not doing anything about it either. So no one really did much. And it was oh, oh, really only the US authorities that actually started to crack down on this because they launched an investigation into OneCoin and, and into Dr. Ruja. They ended up arresting quite recently her brother, her lover, her investment manager, her co-founder. <laughs> and as of three weeks ago, she's on the FBI's top 10 most wanted fugitives they're list. They're going to get her. They'll get her. Yeah, well, they will now, I hope. But it was only, I mean, everyone complains about America, but they're the only country that actually can ever do anything to stop this stuff. That's true. That's true. So um, uh, where do you think she is right now? I, I have received over the course of the last four years of doing this, but especially since the FBI notice, probably hundreds of absolutely certain tip-offs. She is, I've seen her at Heathrow Airport. It was definitely her. Da, 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 da. She yeah, bought a yeah. car. She did. So I've, I've had to try to sort of work out which ones tally up, which one works with her lifestyle. All right, give them your guess, best guess. She, as I believe, she is currently most likely to be living on a, believe it or not, on a super yacht in and around the Mediterranean and Black Sea, periodically going back to Bulgaria. Wow. It's actually Scott Galloway. I don't, I'm just turning him in right now. It's, it's, it. <laughs> as long as I could get Ari Emanuel to hose me off. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm fascinated by the notion of, tr of, of disappearing or trying to disappear. Do you think it's possible? What are, what are the best practices here? Is it, is it paying off a country? Is it giving Pakistan $100 million and then retreating to the hills and having the government try and hide you? How do you can you disappear? Are you are you planning to? Uh... Yeah, I know. I was like, do you have a go bag, Scott? <laughs> I just find it Scott fascinating. Has a go bag. We you know, know he does. But now, yeah, I mean, right. just to talk about it, a second, I I I can't I, I can't imagine it's a very nice life sleeping with yeah. one eye open all the time. I think it would be almost as I mean, maybe not as bad as being in prison, but it's a fascinating thought that that you think I'm out, and this is yeah. a woman who was gonna be rich. Yeah, she had she might have gotten rich slowly, but she was gonna be rich, McKinsey. PhD. Bulgaria. You know, yeah. <laughs> it was going to happen yes. for her. Yes. Well, we actually got a, a private investigator involved who specializes in finding people mm -hmm. who have gone missing, sometimes intentionally, sometimes not. And for those who intentionally disappear, everything is about planning. So she mm -hmm. had multiple passports. She had a she had a safe house to go to at a moment's notice hmm. because she left Sofia, Bulgaria, with just a passport, a handbag, and a bodyguard. Went to Athens, was met by two people in, I think, a black sort of Range Rover or one of those kinds of four by fours, mm -hmm. and it was all planned out in advance. So it was a, fo a phone call and probably on her encrypted line that was the prompt to get all of that sorted out. She booked more than one flight as well when she disappeared. So everything had been planned quite carefully to sort of cover her tracks. The but the the, the private investigator told us everything is about lifestyle. People cannot cannot ignore or cannot sort of. Um, 
keep a low profile. They can't do it. Well, they 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 just can't change their habits. Right. They are accustomed to a certain style of life and a certain type of restaurant and a certain type of clothes. She likes a Gucci bag. She likes. You will end up making a mistake and going back to that. Yeah. Yeah. Sank on sank in Saint-Tropez. Yeah. Yeah. Precisely. Precisely. This is one of the reasons why in and around the Mediterranean, but she has to be very well. She's very, very well connected and she needs a lot mm. of money because the FBI is offering $100,000 for information for her arrest, mm-hmm. to information that would lead to her arrest, which I think is probably targeted at bodyguards, port yeah. officers, chefs, drivers, her entourage that she needs. So she's got to keep them happy. And it would be a it would be a golden cage. It would it really, mm-hmm. really wouldn't be a, an enjoyable lifestyle at all. You'd be extremely paranoid. Mm-hmm. But that's one of the reasons I think she's she might spend quite a lot of time at yeah. sea. Well, let me just say we got to go. But this sounds like a Bond movie, honestly, there, and, or a Mission Mission Impossible. Oh, it's definitely on Netflix. <laughs> Who's gonna play her? Funny, funny enough, uh, there is a movie in the works, and the, one of the Scottish investors that we interviewed mm-hmm. in our podcast, Jen McAdam, mm-hmm. who'd invested ten thousand euros, but also got her whole family to invest as well. Oh no, she is being played by Kate Winslet. Oh well, really? there you have there you it. Go. Oh wow, Kate Winslet. But Kate Winslet is playing is the victim. As for the the woman herself, I don't know. We don't know yet. Jamie's new book, The Missing Crypto Queen, The Billion Dollar Cryptocurrency Con and the Woman Who Got Away With It is out now. I suggest everybody read it. It's a really, it's a gripping uh, tale. Thank you, Jamie Bartlett. Thanks. Thanks, Jamie. Good luck with the book. Cheers. I'm going to start calling you Crypto Queen, uh, Scott. That's going to be my new name for you. Just call me Queen. Queen, that's true. All right. Well, one more quick break. We'll be back for predictions. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. 
So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Okay, Scott, we're back for predictions. Before we do that, I have to make a correction from last week. Adrian Own, who runs Forward, wrote me mm-hmm. a note, a text just now saying, stop calling us concierge healthcare. We're literally less expensive than using your deductible. Even better, almost half of our members are uninsured. The cheapest ACA plans are twice our price. You're killing me, Adrian. All right. It's a nicer version of one medical is what we said. I don't think we called it. Con- I, maybe maybe you did, Scott. Um, it wasn't precisely concierge medicine. It was a nicer, having used both, Forward is nicer than One Medical. So I'm not sure what to say, but there you go. You're not concierge medicine. Sorry. He must be a friend of no, yours. No, he's what just you someone. He used to work at Google. He's, he's, uh, he showed me Forward. I thought Forward was fascinating mm-hmm. in many ways. But predictions, Scott, predictions. Um, I think this One Medical Amazon thing is huge. Yeah. And uh, I think that Amazon is going to use uh, smart speakers and the information they have, credit card information around your purchases, around food, around lifestyle mm-hmm. to create a digital corpus. And I think the first entree to gather more data will be preventive care. Uh, but I think the industry that is almost the ripest uh, – so healthcare is the ripest industry in the world for disruption, but it's a $3 trillion industry. And within that industry, the ripest of ripe for disruption will be the second place they will go – and that is insurance. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And if you ever meet somebody who's not that intelligent but likable and makes half a million dollars a year, chances are they work in insurance. <laughs> this is this is any industry that has a lot of golf, mm-hmm. any industry that has a lot of like former fraternity rush chairman. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, 45 cents on the dollar in insurance goes to profits and administration. They will at some point in the next 24 to 36 months, you will walk in and Alexa will say – Healthcare insurance. Swisher family. Healthcare, not car. Healthcare insurance. Okay. Uh, well, they could go there as well, mm-hmm. but I think they're going to say, Swisher family, are you interested in cutting your healthcare insurance costs in half? If yes, say, Alexa, tell me about Amazon Prime insurance. Yeah. This is, they're going to be able to create the ultimate actuarial table because they'll be able to look at your zip code, your relationship status, mm-hmm. how old you You've are. They'll know your body. Before. You've talked about. They'll it. know your body mass index mm-hmm. from the clothes you order. Yeah. They'll know. They'll. They will get information on your health and your diet habits, and they'll mm-hmm. be able to say the Swisher family, without running commercials, we can insure the whole family, and we'll be able to reduce their health care with offensive preventive care mm-hmm. using one medical. And we'll go into the businesses that are profitable vertically. We'll go into dermatology because it's profitable. Pediatrics will just put on our platform, similar to where they go into profitable businesses in retail. Mm -hmm. And then they they just charge unprofitable businesses to be on their platform. But here comes Amazon. I think it's going to be – and what's interesting, what would be really interesting, and I'm doing it right now for my No Mercy No Malice blog this Friday, is if you look at the 10 most valuable retailers Mm -hmm. 20 years ago, that's changed dramatically. Only like mm-hmm. two of them are left. It's going to be really interesting to look at the top 10 most valuable healthcare companies right now mm-hmm. 
and imagine what's going to happen to them over the next 20 years. And by the way, Walmart's going to get in here. They're building their own. Uh, I don't know if you realize that. Well, they have dental clinics. They, they're going to absolutely get in here. And by the way, speaking of Adrian and Forward, they're going to get bought. Like some, everyone who's been in this 100%. is, is 100%. in a great spot because all these big companies like Walmart. No, I, I invested in a company called 98.6 just because right. I thought eventually these companies are all going to get bought. Yeah. But uh, Walmart's going to go low and Amazon's going to go high. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amazon, people make the mistake of thinking that Amazon is kind of a value retailer. Wealthy people love Amazon, uh, wealthy households. Yeah, they trust it. Uh, let me just say also, Lena Khan is going to come for them on this one. I don't see how she can Amazon. stay out of this one. She, I have heard so much noise about this this week from people in D.C. is if the, she doesn't go for them, she doesn't go. You know what I mean? For this one. I'll take the other side on this. And I'm someone who thinks Amazon should be broken up. I think that AWS should be spun because they shouldn't be subsidizing Mm -hmm. a retail platform with profits from another division. I don't think they should be advantaging their own products on a platform. But but when it comes to an industry that has uh, not enough competition and where consumers have paid outrageous rents, I'm all for Amazon coming into those sectors. You know, people think I don't like Amazon or I hate these mm-hmm. companies. That's not true at all. I like competition. Mm-hmm. And if Amazon with their deep pockets and excellent execution and data and technology can come in and fuck up the healthcare industry, I'm down with it. See, I find that it'd be more interesting for them to go into logistics. I just had a go around with UPS that was literally their in, their website is unusable. Their information is unusable. Mm-hmm. I had to call six different people about picking up three packages at my house. It was crazy. And someone said, well, you're going to have to call Amazon on this. And I said, once again, it's not an Amazon issue. I want you to pick up packages at my house. And I said, if it was Amazon, it would be resolved online and easily. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and I was sort of thinking they really need to get into, you know, the logistics business. And But of course, they face, even if you don't think that they should be in this competitive space, I also think the MGM thing is shouldn't be a problem either because I think there's plenty mm-hmm. of competition in Hollywood. Um, they they need a headline, and this is it. This is it. Like healthcare, mm-hmm. scary Amazon. I think this. I think they're going to go here. I think they can't not do hmm. that. That's you know. That'll be interesting because the other approaches to Amazon are harder. The uh, other approaches, the much harder cases, mm-hmm. the marketplace, which are the real hmm. cases, which is competing in a marketplace against other retailers, much harder, harder to understand. Everybody gets this one. I just, I, I think, I think they're going to be here. I just do. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But that's the talk of the town. In any case, that's a great prediction, Scott. We'll see where it goes. Okay, Scott, that's the show. I'm going to bring this to a close right now. We'll be back on Friday for more where you will be hosting with someone else because I will be in Scotland where where you're from, right? Is that correct? With Louis Swisher and the the young kids. Alex. Yes, yes. That's right. All the kids. We're going to be doing falconry. We're going to be doing haggis. Anyway, we'll be driving around the locks. That's all I know. Anyway, please read us out. Today's show was produced by Larry Naiman, Evan Angle, and Taylor Griffin. Ernie Andrew. engineered this episode. Thanks also to Drew Bros and Mia Silvero. Make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Vox Media. We'll be back later this week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. Are you a big tech executive? Then I'm single. Support for the show comes from Atlassian. Whether you're exploring space, making pizza, or producing a podcast like this one here, chances are your team is marching into the AI-generated horizon. Atlassian Intelligence is unleashing a new era of teamwork. You can use Atlassian's AI-powered products for everything from brainstorming ideas to finding information to summarizing huge documents, all by using normal, everyday language. 
Atlassian AI-powered software like Jira and Confluence help teams accomplish what would otherwise be impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how you can transform teamwork with the power of AI at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. 